I get it started You are now tuned in to my parents' office yeah, With Brett Castle and Andrew Diaz New new dropping, yeah, you know where I'll be at Believe that, New England flow in your speakers Tryna run game, lace heat like sneakers In a flashlight, lightning bugs I pop up at your spot and I'm lighting up, yeah JR on a mic and I'm next to blow No commercials, I turn it to an episode Better get down to business, begin the show So let me get going, welcome to MPO What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the My Parents Office podcast. I am your host, Andrew Diaz. Today we got episode 135. Again, a lot closer to uh, 150, another big milestone for the podcast, which would be pretty cool to hit. Uh, you know, at the rate we're going now, maybe by the end of June, um, maybe mid-July would be, you know, the, the ideal spot to hit 150. I'm going to try to get more episodes out consistently with uh, school coming to an end soon, but uh, we'll see how my internship Hunt goes. Before I get into uh, a lot of the the draft coverage, um, I, I want to make sure you guys follow us on social media at my parents' office on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. My parents' office podcast on Facebook, and articles from the office on Substack. I'm also writing on Student Union Sports. Uh, you can find some of my stories on there that I do write in the Substack. But, you know, read both. Uh, because that helps boost my view count on both. So that would be greatly appreciated if you guys could go do that uh, to studentunionsports.com. So make sure you go check that out. New outlet that I've been writing for the past about month and a half now, and it's going real well, especially with draft. I I kind of got onboarded to Student Union at at the right time with free agency, the combine, and um, the the draft happening all at once. Uh, You know, that's kind of my wheelhouse. I started, I think my first article was, a college basketball, college football mix sort of show or a sort of sort of article. Um, so, so make sure you go back, read those, check those out. I, I put a lot of effort and uh, work, hard work into those because it's a whole new uh, format that they use on Student Union Sports called WordPress, where it kind of acts as an editor for you while you're writing. It tells you if you got like, run-on sentences, um, if you're if you're writing is unreadable uh, if, you, if you're not using transition words. So I, I've kind of developed, I think, a little bit more as a writer by using WordPress and being uh, onboarded to Student Union Sports. So uh, but I think my writing's gotten a lot better in this past month and a half. So make sure you go check those articles out. Uh, last time uh, you heard me on this RSS feed, I was ex- ex- uh, exuding my excitement about the NFL draft. Now the NFL draft is over. And I've got a lot of takeaways from it. Um, I, I think there's a lot of big winners, a lot of losers from the draft. Um, and, and I, I want to, I'll do kind of my bit, my two, two or three winners, two or three losers. And I want to start with the winners of the NFL draft. Um, I think winner number one is the Baltimore Ravens, you know, stuck at 14. I think they're, they're, they're really looking to grab Jordan Davis. The Eagles ended up jumping them uh, to get the 13th pick with Houston and ended up uh, taking Davis. Then they were left kind of in no man's land. It would have been a reach to get Devontae Wyatt, definitely a reach to get Travis Jones, or any of the interior linemen still left on the board. So they end up going safety with, which I think, and I've said this multiple times over and over again, you're probably getting sick of me here, sick of me saying this. Uh, I, I think that Kyle Hamilton was one of the best players in this year's draft, just talent-wise, uh, all around when you look at it. And they got him at 14 to replace um, or actually to add to their secondary of Marcus Williams that they got uh, as that sa- that new safety tandem. 
had a 6'4 Hamilton that uh, really has got a good nose to, uh, to find the ball and can play kind of anywhere on the field um, inside the box, can play high safety, can drop down to play linebacker, can shift to nickel, a really versatile player. So it'll be him and Marcus Williams. Then you've got uh, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters as your, as your, as your cornerbacks. So they win there, and then they trade back into the first round, grab the 25th overall pick, and take another guy that I think is a top 10 overall talent in this year's draft, uh, center Tyler Linderbaum. The Ravens lost Bradley Bozeman in free agency to Carolina, um, which is a bummer, but I think they really, really upgrade by adding Linderbaum. Um, because, I mean, I think this is a guy you're looking at, like the second coming of Jason Kelsey, because he gets out in space very nicely, is able to pull, which a lot of centers at the, in the NFL can't do. And he was doing this at a very high level in college at Iowa. He can pull. Uh, he's a little bit lighter. If he adds like 10 pounds, he'll be in real good shape to be an NFL starting center. And I think he'll start day one for Baltimore. Um, real, real good pickup here. I think one of the losers on the board really missed out on getting this guy and, and actually passed over him. Um, they, they passed over him. So I think that those two first round picks are just absolute wins for Baltimore, uh, big time. And then you look at the rest of their draft class, they absolutely nailed, um, it's pretty ridiculous. The, the picks that they landed in this draft, um, I think their next pick, their second rounder was, uh, David Ajabo from Michigan. One second. All right, and I'm back. I was talking about Baltimore's draft class had a, a visitor at the door, uh, intern Mac. Um, he's sitting in the back now, very Glenny Balls-esque. Um, but Baltimore grabbed David Ajabo in the second round, a guy that would have been, I think, a top 15 pick had he not torn his Achilles at Michigan's Pro Day. Um, real good addition here to add to the edge. They almost had Zadarius Smith back. Didn't get Zadarius Smith as he flipped. Uh, kind of backed out of his contract deal with Baltimore. Signed with Minnesota, big win for the Vikings there. And then in round three, they get, I think, the third best defensive interior defensive lineman of the draft, Travis Jones from UConn. Uh, big 6'4, 325 pound player, had uh, four and a half sacks in 2021, was really the only bright spot of this, of, of a very dismal UConn team. Uh, goes in the third round. Many people had, uh, a couple people had him as high as the first round. Uh, as late as about right now. Um, so so them getting him here is a massive steal. Then they get 6'8", 384-pound right tackle Daniel Faele from uh, Minnesota in the fourth round. I don't know how – if Faele will really be a, uh, a viable starter for Baltimore um, as he's still very raw, but the vacancy of Orlando Brown Jr. is definitely a concern, especially Alejandro Villanueva wasn't very good. Last year, Ronnie Stanley's been a little banged up. So he may be a guy that they have to plug and play. Uh, I think they have Juwan James as well on the team, who didn't play last year because he tore his Achilles uh, the year prior. So they've got a lot of options at tackle. But adding Fiele, Falele, Filele here, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um, is, is a very big win for them um, at, at this pick. Um, and then they had another great pick in the fourth round, was Iowa State tight end Charlie Kohler. Tight end was a very weak position. Uh, they actually add Kohler and they add Isaiah Likely 
uh, both in the fourth round. They really loaded up in the fourth round here. Um, I think that's right. I don't know if this website's actually accurate. Oh, yeah, no, they did. They added both of them in the fourth round. Um, you know, likely is more of a receiver. Uh, he, he's not great in the run game. He's 6'6", 245, but is not an efficient blocker. Will be a very good second fiddle to a guy like Mark Andrews, who is a primary blocker but is very talented in the pass game. What could be a, a very talented third or fourth option, especially after losing Hollywood Brown uh, to uh, Arizona. So they've got him, and then Charlie Kohler is a better blocker. Again, 6'6", 252 pounds, um, was a very, very productive wide receiver with Iowa State. 23 career touchdowns, over 2,100 career receiving yards. Um, a little bit better in the blocking game than likely, but I think Mark Andrews is really going to have to prove his uh, his talent in the run game this year, even though he was one of the top uh, uh, pass-catching tight ends this past season. Um, I think winner number two of the draft, actually I, I could probably couple these two together, just off their first round are the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Um, I mean, the Giants, they were a team that was kind of in talks of trading out possibly because they had the fifth and seventh pick. Houston was a team that initially – uh, there were rumors that they wanted to move up into the top 10 to get multiple top 10 picks. They took Derek Stingley at three um, and then ended up taking Kenyon Green, I believe, at like 15 or 14. I think 15. That sounds right. Yeah, 15. Um, kind of a reach pick there, but um, New York kind of stayed stayed hold with their picks. I'm sure they received a lot of calls, a lot of offers for either the fifth or seventh pick. And they got two guys that I think are really – I think they got the number one player in the draft and the number two overall edge rusher in the draft. Uh, their first pick, the fifth overall pick, was Oregon defensive end Kevon Thibodeau. Uh, seven sacks last year, 49 total tackles. Uh, real raw player still. Doesn't work his hands as well as you'd like. But, I mean, with an offseason with an NFL defensive line coach, that can really change his play. Uh, as long as he starts working more uh, actively with his hands, uh, develops a few more pass rushing moves, you could see the next uh, rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the year. It could be back-to-back-to-back to back to back for the NFC East with Chase Young, Michael Parsons, and now Kevon Thibodeau. Uh, adds, adds real good depth, too, to that defensive line. that has got Leonard Williams on it. That's uh, got Carter Coughlin coming off the edge as well. Um, Aziz Ojolari, too another player to keep an eye on. So I really, really like this pickup. And then they keep the seventh pick. Carolina takes Ike Ekwonu from NC State, who I believe is the second best uh, tackle in this draft. Then at number seven, Evan Neal completely falls in their lap. A guy I considered and really thought should have been the number one overall pick. Uh, he's six foot seven, six foot eight, uh, 351 pounds, but just lean, very lean player moves super well for his size. And, you know, a, a lot of teams passing on him, I think, is moronic when you look at the need that Carol, that not Carolina, the need that Jacksonville had. Uh, they've got a very young quarterback. You re signed Cam Robinson, great. You re you signed Brandon Sheriff, great. You also lost your two best O linemen from the prior year and Andrew Norwell and Brandon Linder. You've got a vacancy at right tackle. You could have brought Evan Nealon, moved him to right tackle, or moved Cam Robinson to right tackle or even tried one of them at guard. There were a lot of options to use Evan Neal at, and they really whiffed, I think, by taking Trayvon Walker, who I think is going to be really one of the the next big busts, the next uh, 
in you'll you'll say his name in the same breath as a Jamarcus Russell and a Ryan Leaf, uh, Trent Richardson, because I don't think Walker is very good. I think he's a very good athlete, and I think there are two. There's very big differences between being a very good player and being a very good athlete. Do you second that, Intern Mac? You second that? Intern Mac seconds that. It's almost like I think I think he's going to be like a worse version of Jadevian Clowney because Jadevian Clowney, while yet is hasn't been a very good player, has still had seasons where he's had nine plus sacks, but he's also had many seasons where he's had less than five sacks. I just don't think Walker will even have seasons where he's above nine sacks. I just don't see that in his future. But, and then another team that passed on him, the Texans take Derek Stingley at three. Lovey Smith was really pushing for Stingley to be their pick here, which I, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me there. I mean, their corner room was, is absolutely atrocious, but you got Charlie Heck starting at right tackle. Tunsil is, is a good left tackle. Um, Heck's not great. I mean, Evan Neal would have been an awesome addition or even Ikum Ekwonu. Taking corner here is, I think, very a very boneheaded, a, a big bonehead move. Um, so they're another team that really missed out. Uh, and, and the Jets as well. I mean, the Jets did land Sauce Gardner um, and, and two other great defensive players in this draft in the first round. But not taking Neal here, I think, is, is a bit of a miss. Uh, and, and, you know, the Giants really, really make out big time by getting Evan Neal to really lock down that offensive line that has been very inconsistent with very young and raw guys like Matt Pert, Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, who's no longer with the team, Nick Gates, who got injured last season. So, I mean, this this is a, a very good thing to see and a very, very good start to uh, Joe Schoen as Schoen or Schoen, I think. I'm, I'm terrible with these name pronunciations. A uh, very good start to his uh, um, career as the Giants general manager. Then, I mentioned before, the New York Jets, a great draft. Look, the Sauce Gardner pick, I don't love at number four, but it's, he's one of the – he is, I still think, the second best defensive back and by far the number one corner in the draft when was the second DB off the board after Stingley. You know, real a, a lanky player that's just – very fast, moves very well, and didn't allow a single touchdown in college. Um, then at number 10 – oh, I, I said they took three three defensive players in the first round. I, I was completely wrong about that. Disregard that because at number 10 they took uh, – who I, I, I wavered a lot between uh, having Drake London. I think I was a lot – very blinded by my love of Drake London because of his size. I love big body receivers, guys that are 6'5", like Drake London. They can go up and get the ball. So I think for a long time I had Drake London as my number one receiver in the draft, which was wrong. I, I now see the light and see Garrett Wilson as the number one wide out in the draft. I think he'll have the most successful career with the Jets. That's tough to say he'll have the most successful career. <laughs> um, that's a tough one to say. But he's a real talented route runner, was the number one guy at Ohio State. And CJ Stroud put, put the ball in a lot of different receivers' hands, and he prevailed and pretty much every stat category for a receiver on the Buckeyes roster. They get him at 10, and then Jermaine Johnson was a guy that I thought would have actually been picked at that number 10 spot by the Jets. He began to kind of tumble down the draft board um, a, a little bit. Not, I mean, it, it wasn't anything crazy, 
like the Malik Willis fall um, and a lot of the quarterbacks, how they fell down the board. But it was definitely noticeable because I thought Jermaine Johnson was a suitable fit for the Jets at 10, the Ravens at 14, Philly with one of their picks, um, even like I think even Kansas City if they over their Trent McDuffie pick. But they end up getting Jermaine Johnson keeps falling. The Jets trade into the first round, get the 26th overall pick and take Jermaine Johnson. I mean, a 6'5", 260-pound defensive end. That was, I mean, he was very, very productive at Florida State for the Knowles this past season. He had 12 sacks and 70 tackles. Was, uh, again, like uh, you talk about bright spots on bad teams like Travis Jones. Florida State wasn't very good this year, but Jermaine Johnson made that team a little bit, a little more watchable. Um, and he's a player that really kept them in a lot of games and a lot of contests. So, uh, the Jets overall an A plus draft, the Giants an A plus draft, and Baltimore A plus all around. Like, and it's those are three teams that I do not like, um, and it hurts me to to say this, but I have to respect it. And you know, it it, it gets me very upset when the Ravens take you know guys that are some of my favorite players. I love Linderbaum. I love Kyle Hamilton. I love Travis Jones being a Connecticut guy. I loved Fiele. I, and these are guys that are now going to be all playing for Baltimore. So that's very upsetting to me, but no, li- I got to live with it. I got to live with it. Next, the guys that did not get an A plus draft. Um, I think the, the, the first, the first team that you can put on here, a lot of people want to kill the Patriots. I think for that Cole strange pick, and you know, initially I, I was one of those people. I was like, this is not a good pick. This isn't very good. But looking at it, the Texans really botched just about everything when it came to offensive line for this draft or for interior offensive line because they took Kenyon Green so high, and that pushed Zion Johnson to go a lot higher. And then Cole Strange wouldn't have been available with their next with their second round pick. So I think taking him there is definitely a reach, but it's not as bad as people are making it out to be. Um, so I'm, they're not going to be one of my draft losers. I, I don't. I think it's. I don't think that's a, a bad pick on their part. Um, I, I got to go with Dallas. Dallas reaches on Tyler Smith out of Tulsa, um, a, a, a very raw offensive tackle that has a lot of issues um, when, it, when it comes to getting penalized. I think he had 16 penalties uh, this past season for the Golden Hurricanes. You know, not great. Really fires off the ball. His hands come outside. Kind of a sloppy player. But was just very dominant in the uh, American uh, this is where I think it's more of an L for Dallas is that Tyler Linderbaum was still on the board and Tyler Biedaz is not your solidified center yet. And Tyler Biedaz can also play one of the guard positions that opened up. I mean, C- Connor Williams signed with Miami over the offseason. Zach Martin's getting a lot older. You move Biedaz to guard and start developing him now. Then he can play either or when Zach Martin eventually retires the next few years. And then Linderbaum, you've got – I think a guy that's going to be an all pro center one day in this league. Uh, So that's where I really think they start missing on the draft. I actually like their second round pick of Sam Williams at number 56. I think a bit of a reach, especially with who you have at edge right now, you've got DeMarcus Lawrence, you've got Dorrance Armstrong and you've got Dante Fowler Jr. I know you're trying to replace that Randy Gregory hole, uh, on your defensive line, but a bit of a reach, but not a terrible, terrible one. Um, I mean, it was an all SEC player, very, very physical, very 
Um, transition's great from uh, power to speed and speed to power. And that's why he had 12 sacks his last season. Um, kind of in that same realm as uh, uh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, going through their other picks, just not – like towards the end, just didn't make any big like fourth to seventh round splashes with guys. And that I really think that first round pick hinders them very, very poorly when you look at everything that was uh, being factored in with Tyler Smith's penalties, his very raw uh, play style, and now Linderbaum was still on the board. That's where I I get a little concerned um, w- w- with their drafting. Uh, the other loser, I mentioned them already, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trayvon Walker at number one, not a good pick at all. Terrible pick, I think. Um, very similar. I wrote an article about it. Go check out Student Union Sports. I wrote an article about why he's kind of that next Jadevian Clowney 2.0. I brought it up before, but Clowney coming out was 6'5", 269, 268. Trayvon Walker, 6'5", 272. 40-yard dash. Clowney ran a 4.53. Walker ran a 4.51. Walker's broad jump was 123 inches. Um, Clowney's was 124. Very similar metrics uh, for, for the two of them. And Walker didn't have as productive a career as Clowney did at uh, South Carolina. So that's why I really hate this pick. But, you know, one pick that does save them a little bit, actually two, I should say, are their picks at linebackers. They get who I think is the best linebacker in the draft in Devin Lloyd, all-around athlete, over 100 tackles for Utah. was really the reason they beat teams like Oregon twice this year and kind of ran that uh, Pac-12. Had, I think, eight sacks. Uh, four interceptions. Dude was an absolute ball player. And they got Chad Muma late in the third round, um, which I think is another awesome pick, a guy that I thought was the best flying under the radar uh, linebacker. And I would even argue the the fourth, third or fourth best linebacker in the draft, but just got overshadowed by big names like Devin Lloyd and N'Kobe Dean. Um, I don't love the pick of Luke Fortner from Kentucky. There were a lot of better O-linemen still on the board. I think Alec Lindstrom, who somehow went undrafted, is a better interior guy that they could have got later. They could have either traded out of this pick or used it to get a receiver. That was still available. Maybe like a Calvin Austin would have been a, a solid pick. Um, I think uh, Cam Jurgens might have still been on the board as well. I Just overall, I don't love this Luke Fortner pick. I think it was a bit of a reach. And then, you know, they didn't have many late-round picks. Uh, and – you know, didn't make much of a splash, but I got to put them as the losers just for wasting that number one overall pick. You've got a very young quarterback and you need to protect him. He, you saw what happened to Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow got absolutely banged up this off season or this uh, postseason. got slaughtered for uh, not freshman, his rookie year in the league and, and got hurt. You don't want that to happen to your young quarterback. That's not something you ever want to have happen. And I don't want to see a guy like him, have his career end early because Jacksonville really uh, did him a disservice. So uh, that's why I got to put them at uh, as one of the big losers of this draft. Um, Some more takeaways. Texas is so not back. I mean, holy shit. They did not have a single player drafted, not one player in all seven rounds drafted. Now, now if you want to look at other teams that had players drafted, I'll pull it up right now. Colleges with a player drafted. 
2022. I mean, to name some off the top of my head, you've got, I believe, Jackson State had one, one or two players. UConn had one. Um, we'll, we'll go right to the bottom of the list. Lenore Ryan, Division II. Valdasto State, Division II had one. Ochita Baptist had a Division II, had one. Northwest Missouri State, Fayetteville, Yale, South Carolina State, Jackson State, Chattanooga, Montana State, Missouri State. Um, I mentioned UConn, uh, Appalachian State, Marshall, Miami, Ohio, Air Force, uh, Kansas. I mean, uh, they didn't even – like in the, just about every other team in the big – 12 added player drafted, Oklahoma 7, Baylor 6, Iowa State 4, Oklahoma State 3, Texas Tech 2, K-State 2, and Kansas 1. They did not even crack that list that is so fucking pathetic for a team like Texas. I love it. I love what I'm praying on Texas' downfall as a program. I absolutely hate them and despise that program, especially after the the they beat Notre Dame on prime time just – a few years ago, it was absolutely heartbreaking, and I, I've hated Texas ever since. Sam Ellinger with the on back is the all-time meme that you'll ever see uh, when it comes to the University of Texas and their football program. And it just—I mean—they're so not back. Like, it's just pathetic that you are considered one of the storied programs. You're considered a, a quote-unquote blue blood program, and you can't—you didn't have a player drafted this year. Like, that's just – not even in the seventh round. That's just absolutely pathetic, in my opinion, and, and proves how not back Texas is. It is beautiful. Beautiful to see. Um, Another big takeaway is this quarterback class that we saw was not as strong as uh, – at least I thought. I'll be I'll fall on the sword. I thought this quarterback class was – you know, not the best we'd ever seen, but a pretty damn talented one. Um, when you look at, I thought Willis was a lock in top 10. I thought Pickett was a lock in the top 20. And I thought you were going to see Ritter, Howell, or Corral, one of them come off the board in the, the first round. Pickett was a lock in the top 20. He got taken uh, at number 20 by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then it was waiting time. And we waited and we waited and we waited, and we waited until, I believe, round three of the NFL draft um, before the next quarterback came off of the board. Um, I believe So nine quarterbacks were selected. Um, it went – so Malik Willis came off the board. He wasn't the next one taken. Let me see. This is, this is ranking the quarterbacks taken. That, that doesn't do me any good. I get, uh, here it is. PFF should help me out. So, Pickett went at number 20. The second round, we heard no quarterbacks come off the board, which is very shocking for a team like Seattle to not take a guy like a Willis, Howell, Corral, or Ritter, who were all available when they had a, a lot of picks in between the time the next QB was picked. Atlanta, sneaky good draft for the Falcons, landing Desmond Ritter at 74 and grabbing Drake London at number 8. Ritter's obviously going to be the future of this of this uh, franchise. Could even step in this year if Mariota doesn't play very well. Um, and Mariota will once again serve as a backup. Uh, at pick 86, Malik Willis to the Titans. And a lot of people saw the video of Ryan Tannehill saying he's not his mentor. 
I mean, and people are giving him shit about it. I mean, Ryan Daniel is dead right. He's not Malik Willis's mentor. He's there. Malik, Ryan Tannehill is there to be the quarterback of the Titans. And, you know, it, a lot of people took it out of context, too. They just clipped the I'm not here to be his mentor. But he also said, like, if he picks up some stuff from me, that's awesome. Um, and, and really didn't bash Willis or the pick. But, you know, it, when you're also a starting quarterback, you're there to compete. And you got to be a little fired up when your team takes a quarterback, one of the guys that's considered one of the top players uh, in the draft. Matt Corral, well, he, I, I just said he was one of the top in the draft. I mean, was, I guess, considered by me and many other draft experts to be one of the top, but but wasn't, uh, or at least didn't get taken where one of the top guys would. Matt Corral was also taken in the third round um, by the Carolina Panthers. So I think that takes Baker Mayfield off the board for um, the Panthers uh, with, with Darnold and then wanting to develop Corral to probably be their next their next starter uh, eventually. Uh, other guys, Bailey Zapp, Zappy Zapp uh, from Western Kentucky, the big record-breaking quarterback to New England in the fourth round. Of a very odd pick here. I think they could have waited. Sam Howell to uh, the Commanders in round five. Chris Oladukin from South Dakota State in round seven. Skylar Thompson, round seven to the Dolphins. And Brock Purdy to the 49ers as Mr. Irrelevant. Um yeah, that's probably one of my big takeaways that the uh, the quarterback class was not as they they were not what we thought they were. Um, kind of kind of reversing the the famous uh, they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. That and kind of reversing that. Um, to, I, I just I I was baffled. I, I was completely wrong to not see see a quarterback taken off the board in round two, and let alone not see three of them come off the board the first night, but. That's the way it goes. And that's why I do love the NFL draft this year. There was so much chaos. Oh, another takeaway. You don't fucking cut off Coach Marty Daniels when he's given his speech. Coach Marty Daniels is a machine. I know that it's Ed Mariano, but you don't cut off Coach Marty Daniels. Uh, they, they got all pissed when he, he went on a, a – uh, I mean, it was a three-minute little tirade about his uh, time with the Vikings and getting drafted – and coaching, coaching, quote unquote, at blue <coughs> at Blue Mountain State. So absolutely never cut Marty Daniels off. I'm sure he'll never be invited back to the NFL draft after his shenanigans this year. But um, it, it, that was an awesome uh, draft selection. I think the the best one of the night, and was absolutely hilarious. A lot of people hated it. As a Vikings fan, as a diehard uh, Blue Mountain State fan, one of my favorite uh, sports shows of all time. I, I was pissing my pants when I saw that. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome to see that. And then he was going at people on Twitter too. Like, quit bitching about my three minutes up there. Um, and, and then was also like retweeting everybody that said something nice about him. He was like, thanks, bro. Which, again, absolutely hilarious uh, to see an old guy like that going at it with people on Twitter and also thanking people on Twitter for defending him for giving that that three-minute speech. Just all all around, just an absolutely bizarre scene, but a a hilarious one uh, in general. Um, That kind of wraps up what I'm – my thoughts from this year's NFL draft. You know, it was definitely an interesting one, a a fun one overall. I think 
this was probably the most fun I had watching a first round because there was so much uncertainty, so many trades. AJ Brown gets dealt, Hollywood Brown gets dealt. I think there was over six trades uh, on draft night, which is usually unheard of. Something like that happening. So um, to to see that, I was uh, super super duper excited. Uh, it, it was every I was like a kid on Christmas watching all of this go down because I love the NFL draft. Um, you know, I say every day or every sporting event is my favorite um, of the year, but I'd have to say like my favorite just just one day of sports has to be the NFL draft. Favorite weekend is like a toss up between Masters weekend in the in week one of college football, not week zero. Week zero is kind of like kind of kind of kind of soft because it's like two not a couple not very good teams. Like UConn usually plays a week zero game. I'm not talking week zero. I'm talking week one when you get Notre Dame, Florida State, uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, USC, at those types of games. So I'm a, a toss up between those. But the NFL draft is uh, round one as a day stands uh, as king for me. Uh, a little bit of show news coming on the show uh, in the next week or so. We've got two returning guests. Uh, one that you're very familiar with, Jared Specs, is doing a payday. Um, a payday um, update uh, on his music drops. He's still going strong with uh, dropping a song twice a month thus far. I believe the first and the 15th of every month. And he's absolutely killing it. And he's also coming on to do something I've, I've wanted to do for a while with somebody, uh, but I've never found the right guest. And, find, and you know, I, I text JR to come back on. And he happily did. And I brought this idea up to him. He, he loved it. It's going to be a song building the what you think would be the perfect hip hop slash rap song. Um, you pick one main artist, two features, and one producer. So it's going to be a draft, but you're building what you would want your quote unquote perfect song to be. People that have maybe never worked together, or people that are tried and true, like uh, uh, like Jesus, I'm drawing a blank right now. Like Kanye and Jay Z working together is a tried and true. Or do you want to hear uh, J. Cole with Andre 3000? It's that kind of thing that I've always – I've wanted to do this for a while, and I think JR is the perfect guest to do this with because his music knowledge is so extensive. And, he, and he's, you know, he's all around great guests too. Like, he is the perfect guy to do this with. And another guy coming back on the pod was uh, on last summer, an awesome guest, uh, one that I, you know, I reached out to because I – followed his career a little bit in high school um, and, and was a fan of him. And now we, we've corresponded a little bit here and there is uh, Brody Limerick from East Catholic uh, was at Quinnipiac entered the transfer portal. I, I text him about coming on and talking about the transfer portal. He said he's committing in the next few days and it kind of hit him back then and we'll do something. Uh, so keep an eye out for that announcement about where he commits to. Uh, which should be exciting. He's a good player. Redshirt this past year at Quinnipiac, so he's uh, going to be fresh for whoever whoever adds adds uh, the 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 forward slash center. Um, so we're we're going to talk about that. They'll probably talk a little NBA playoffs, but I want to hear about his freshman year at Quinnipiac and kind of why he transferred. Because you know he wasn't the only one. There's I believe four other players that entered the portal from Quinnipiac. Some guys already committed. I don't know if there was a I had to do a little research. I'm not sure if there was a coaching change there 
or the program, something with the program maybe happened. I'm not 100% sure. So I definitely want to find out about that before I go into that interview. But those are two interviews you can definitely look forward to down the line. Um, in the works of trying to find some other guests. Um, if you have a guest that maybe you'd want to hear on the show and think would be a good one, definitely reach out. I'm open for all suggestions about uh, getting different people on this show. Um, you know, I love just talking to people. I talk to you guys uh, every, any chance I really get about the NFL, about uh, what's kind of going on in my life. So I'd love to talk to somebody else as well uh, and a new guest, get some new blood in here. Cause you know, it's been tough getting with guests. My recording schedule has been very sporadic where I, you know, like tonight I just kind of sat down. I got out of, I got out of the shower, got back from football practice and dinner and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll record an episode. Kind of just go over the draft. I don't have that much homework to do right now. So uh, I'll hop on and record. So I definitely for the summer want to get into a regular groove and a regular uh, recording schedule. So uh, stay tuned for that. Maybe get to back to two episodes a week to try to maybe get to episode 160 before I get back for fall camp. You know, everything uh, reverts back to back to uh, what uh, uh, what it originally was or how it's been the past few months. Um, I definitely am, th- am thinking about bringing Camp Chronicles back because I kind of fell off. I got sick during camp and was just overexhausted. Um, so I think I may pre-record some of them with some of my teammates to kind of put those out as a weekly or a couple times a week throughout camp um, and then do some updates through through camp uh, and have those kind of be the end of it uh, to, to try to be more productive with it. I only did one pre-camp. That was the one with Hugh. I did the one with Colmer, Josh Colmer during camp, which was good. And then like everybody's so busy during camp that it's tough. So uh, I definitely think I'll try to pre-record some of those with uh, some of my teammates. Um, trying to think other news in my life. You know, I, I, I withdrew myself from an internship today. I'm, I'm telling you guys about this. I was interviewing for a position with the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox uh, on the Cape League. An interview I thought went all right, but it, it, I thought the interview went good, but it was for a position I wasn't super interested in. I, I want to do sales and marketing, kind of kind of get my foot in the door of the sports organization. And, you know, they, they didn't have any of those openings or any like anything in operation. So I would have been working on their website remotely. And I, I kind of straight up told them, like, this is uh, not something I, I confidently can do for you guys. I, I want to do a good job for you guys, and I don't think I would be able to because I'm not super familiar with what I'd be doing. So I uh, recused myself from the internship. They were cool about it um, and said that they definitely would like to see me apply in the, in the future. I'm sure they tell all applicants that that go through the process, but um, when, when that time comes, I'll be applying again for the Cape league and hopefully, hopefully landing a spot in a desired field um, in sales, marketing, promotions, operations, logistics, just not website design. That is uh, ho- hopefully what I'll land in. Um, but the internship hunt's still going on. I had a, a promising interview. I dropped my bottle. I, I th- what I thought was a, a pretty good interview with the Mass Pirates out of Worcester. It's an arena league team. Former guest of the podcast, Kobe Kwanzaa, is uh, one of the leading tacklers for the Pirates. So that, that's definitely pretty cool. Hopefully I could get to work with him or around him this summer during his season. Um, but, you know, I felt good about the internship. That interview definitely was the best um, How where I felt more comfortable because it was something I was used to talking about. I worked sales before, so I felt real, real confident about 
kind of going into that interview. And I think I, 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 I felt like I nailed that one the most of the ones I've had thus far. Um, so yeah, I feel real good about that. Give you a little peek behind the curtain. I also got a flower that I'm growing currently. I believe it's called a California poppy seed. Um, I've been watering this baby uh, like once or twice a day, getting a good sunlight. You know, this is cutting in on my sleep because I leave the blinds open for the flower to grow that it, the light comes in and, and disrupts nap time for me. So I'm really hoping that flower sprouts and turns into something nice and very pretty um, in the future. So that is kind of an update with me. Um, and, you know, before I sign off, I don't know when this is going to come out. I'm recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up. I do want to give a little shout out to my mom, Amy Diaz. She listens to every show that I do, or at least she says she does. Um, you know, I believe her because she does bring up stuff that we talk about. So uh, I know she's probably one of the only people that consistently has, or has consumed every episode of my show. Her and uh, Kevin Flip, my, my buddy that I met through uh, – the Kirk Minahan show. Those are the two that I can count on to consume every episode of this podcast. Um, but you know, with mother's day coming up, I, I wanted to kind of talk about her a little bit and, you know, uh, while we may fight sometimes and, and be at each other's throats, uh, on, you know, more than most occasions, I do love you, mom. And I appreciate everything you do. And, you know, without, without you and dad, especially you in my life, I wouldn't, uh, you know, have the confidence to do stuff like this. Um, and with you guys backing me, that makes it all, all 100 times better doing this. Um, you know, you guys redid the office when I was away and turned it into kind of my, what, what I really, what I kind of envisioned and you guys did a great job and that's something I really appreciate. Um, and yeah, I really, uh, just appreciate everything you do, mom. I, I, I love you. And like I said before, without you. Uh, in my life, I don't know what, what type of man I would be or if I'd even be in college right now. So I wanted to thank you and send my, my, my hugs and kisses to you. I know I'll probably see you this weekend, but, you know, thank you for everything you do. Um, also, you know, I, I was going to go out with that Mother's Day message, but uh, we did add a new member to the family. Uh, I think pretty it's just about official. Um, Nellie, our new bulldog, our new... English Bulldog Nelly is a one-year-old rescue from Danbury, Connecticut. Um, the, uh, this dog I've absolutely fallen in love with. Um, when I'm home, she, my dad takes her out for a walk. Um, she goes to the bathroom, eats her breakfast, and then comes upstairs and lays in bed with me until I finally roll out of bed at 10 o'clock. And she stays in bed. I have to go down the stairs for her to actually start moving for her day. Um, but yeah, I've absolutely fallen in love with this, uh, little English bulldog that we've gotten and I'm so happy that we got a dog. Uh, we've been talking about it for, for, for years. We've been on adoption wait lists for two to three years now. And, you know, we finally got our, what what, what I'm going to call our dream dog. I know, uh, I'm not there to see the worst of it. If she has a bad day or a grumpy day, I get the, get to see her for two or three days and get the absolute best stuff where she wants to cuddle and play with me and be my best friend. But you know, that's what I need. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of, like I said before, a peek behind the curtain, happy mother's day. Um, and I'm pumped that we got Nelly as a part of our family. Uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of the, my parents office podcast. Stay tuned for two big interviews coming up uh, in the next week or so with 
transfer portal basketball player. Maybe he'll have committed uh, by now, uh, by the time you hear this. But as of right now, and I know he's still in the transfer portal and did not give me any uh, hints on where he's committing. Uh, so Brody Limerick will be joining the pod. And then, of course, one of the, probably my all-time favorite guest, the guy that I can always count on to come on the show if I'm in a pinch or, or want to talk about something, J.R. Specs. Uh, he'll be joining the show very soon to talk about payday and do the perfect song, uh, building the perfect song draft. So stay tuned for all that. Make sure you're following us on social media. Uh, my parents' office on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Articles from the office on Substack. I'm writing on student union sports. So go check all that out. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, and good night. When I found somebody, you tried to pull us apart. You wild behind the scenes, saying around you, thinking like gold and diamond rings. And no one's finding.